before we start, a parental advisory. If you are listening to this episode with a little one, you may want to stop now and listen on your own due to certain content not being so suitable for the very young. Live from the Talking Joe Studios, Talking Joe. Talking Joe is on the air. Ho, ho, ho. It's me, Christmas Mark, and welcome to Talking Christmas Joe. It's a G.I. Joe Christmas special. Uh, We are taking a bit of a break from the norm, uh, looking at the latest comic, and instead we'll be doing something a little bit Christmassy. We'll be hearing from various friends of the show with their Christmas G.I. Joe memories, There'll be jingles, there'll be songs and all sorts of surprises. But I won't be doing it alone. Uh, Joining me is the man who knows every Joe down in Joeville. It's a real American Grinch. It's Tim Finn. (laughs) Hello, Mark, and hello, listeners. Mark, I thought the setup pun was going to be something like, but I won't be doing this alone. It's the Rudolph to my Santa sleigh. It's a real American... (laughs) Real American something, real American Tim, Tim Finn. Yes. Hello. Yeah, it's the uh, Mrs. Claus to my Santa. It's Tim Finn. (laughs) How are you? you? Ho, ho, ho. How are you? It's the smallest elf in the workshop to my my North Pole complex. It's a real American Tim. It's Tim Finn. Uh, We're just going to do 18 more of these and then the episode's over. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Good. So as you know, Tim, this is being recorded and going out live simultaneously. So uh, it is the 22nd of December. So we're all feeling very festive at the moment. Have you got sort of any festive traditions that, that you sort of normally will be doing around about this time? When does your decorations go up? How do you typically spend Christmas Day? All of that good stuff. Oh, wow. For many, many years, I was either home because I was a kid or I went home <laughs> to where my uh, my parents were. And as I have gotten a little older and uh, married, uh, Christmas has slightly reoriented towards the West Coast where my wife's family is. Mm-hmm. And when I first moved away from home after school, I had a small apartment and I wasn't going to decorate by myself for myself. So I don't have a tradition of that, but I have so many excellent Hallmark Star Trek spaceship Christmas (laughs) ornaments from the 1990s because our mall had a Hallmark store or our mall had a, uh, a Woolworths or something with a little Hallmark section. So I really should be hanging up some lights so I can hang up the Defiant and, you know, the Enterprise E and the Enterprise uh, D and the Klingon Bird of Prey and the Romulan Warbird. But my brother, the, most of those stayed with my brother. Uh, my wife has been into decorations and a little tree in more recent years. And I guess more recently, sort of the Christmas um, tradition for me is in December... Uh, it is very important that I'm at my store for more of Saturday and Sunday because people have Christmas shopping to do. We get a little busier and I want, you know, if if we have one employee there and it's sort of a slow day or an average day, they can sort of balance, you know, the phone, the register and asking questions. But 
uh, when there are more people and they're shopping for something specific and they need recommendations, we really need uh, you know a floater, and I'm happy to do that. You're happy to be the floater. Excellent. Now, before we continue our chat, let's hear from our first contributor. It's Michael Kelly, who we spoke to a little earlier. And uh, in that conversation, he touched upon how Hasbro can think about connecting with kids and creating that same feeling that we had when we were kids. And when he did that, he um, looked back to his own Christmases uh, and the connection to G.I. Joe. What I, what I try to ask people to think about when they're thinking about the brand and what it means to them is not, I want this child or this young person who's interested potentially in Joe to have the exact experience that I had, but I want them to have the experience that I had insofar as this was the moment that I knew that I loved GI Joe and that I loved this brand and this story. And what is that touch point? What is that moment for a new fan and it might not it might not be the exact it's not going to be probably the exact same experience that you had as your moment of 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 experiencing like mine for gi joe was when you know that christmas morning i got up and and i had my first gi joe figure under the tree and it was breaker and i thought it was the most awesome thing ever uh with his little headset and you know and he mentions breaker but isn't haven't we isn't that three or four guests we've had whose first figure was Breaker? Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, I'm wondering if Breaker was sort of packed more heavier in the early releases, the early assortments, or does Breaker not come with a weapon? I think you might be right. I think he might not come with a weapon. I have wondered if there is something subtle going on where even in 1982, when we were much more you know, connected to you know weaponry and you know masculinity and action and you know like the soviets are bad i wonder if there's something subtle where people who are getting breaker as gifts it's like oh i'll, I'll get the i'll get this kid i know or my kid this toy like and then the parent thinks oh this one doesn't have a giant machine gun hmm. but it could also just be like a very interesting coincidence that this has happened three or four guests in a row do you do anything special for Christmas or different for Christmas in your store? For many years, for the first nine or 10 years, we would have an annual art show, um, artwork by local artists, because the store in its old configuration actually had a lot of wall space. There were there were bookcases, but we had good chunks of wall here and there. And there was space. Also, we would sort of cover a window. Uh, there was space to hang up two dozen artworks, you know, drawings and paintings in frames. And so uh, this was my manager, Jesse Farrell. This was his idea. And this actually predates me. The store did this before I bought the store. And the it is a particular art, uh, art exhibit uh, called Dark Night on a Dark Night. And it's Batman art to celebrate the winter solstice. Oh. Uh, the, the darkest night. And... It was extra fun because uh, we have some really talented friends of the shop and local artists. And also Somerville, Massachusetts has a surprisingly high percentage of professional comics artists who live here, like, you know, four. So there was sometimes um, some stuff that, you know, in a fun way really stood out. So for nine or 10 years, uh, we would have an opening, an opening reception around the 20th or the 18th. 
on a Friday night and we'd have snacks and drinks in the store. We would clear the sort of back tables and have this food spread. And I had made a three hour mix of various Batman music from all the movies and TV shows. <laughs> and uh, people would show up and uh, Jesse Farrell, my wonderful manager, uh, would print out little little placards for each piece. So when you submitted the work and you got in, you had to drop it off a week ahead of time. He would hang the show with another employee and print out and mount on foam core little cards under each piece with the name of the artist, the name of the piece. Uh, we would have an opening reception and we'd leave the art up uh, through and it was a really fun way to have a special event at the store that was different than what a lot of comic book stores might do. It was very comic booky. Jesse is a big Batman fan. He's also a sculptor. So every year he would debut some amazing three-dimensional object. And we would have a party and we'd make some money because people show up and buy books. Uh, the only drawback is that in the darkest month of the year, <laughs> one of our big windows was blocked by all this artwork. So the, the inside of the store felt a little bit, you know, darker and, and sort of hemmed in. But we were known for it. And uh, one year we got written up in the uh, Boston Herald. And another year, I think we got written up in the Globe, Boston Globe. And it was a fun way to celebrate. But after many years, we wanted to sort of change themes. So... Um, uh, one year we did a Star Wars art show, um, but with the renovation, we have a little less wall space. And there were some years where I felt a little stressed out at the end of the year and having one more thing was one thing too many. Uh, so we and then, you know, with the pandemic. Uh, so we haven't had this in, in a few years, but we had a we had a good long run. And uh, actually, if you go to the Hub Comics Facebook page, uh, we have. There are photo galleries for just about every event we had at the store between 2011 and, I don't know, 2017. And there are there are photos of every piece in all of those shows. I want to talk more about Hub Comics. Uh, let's do it in a second after we play something else. Um, so, so here's a little song about mince pies, which are big uh, English Christmas tradition. Has mince pies found its way over the pond into Somerville, Tim? Not that I know of, but uh, if, if I if I haven't read enough Charles, Di if I read more Charles Dickens, would I know? Would I know this? <laughs> what, is this a this is a British Ooh, literary? I, I don't know. It's the the year that mince pies began being popularized. Does Ebenezer Scrooge withhold mince pies from Little Tim? It's the kind of thing that he would do. That scoundrel <laughs> so here's the, here's a song about mince pies This feeling that will tantalize I look at it I fantasize I'm eating tonight Now I've 
got you in my insides Who makes eyes? Just want my bite, is this really wise? Who makes eyes? I feel like I've grown to twice my size Uh, okay, that was about mince pies. Great, uh, Tim. The question <laughs> that I wanted to to follow up about is is what are the big um, sellers this Christmas in in Hub Comics? I can tell you a few things that have been on my Christmas list this year. What have been on your list this year for Christmas? I am hoping to have under the tr- something I've just read into the run up to the Christmas, which which won't be in in under the tree, but is great is the new Human Target series by Tom King and art by Greg Smallwood, I think it is. Mm. It is beautiful. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a little hot and, or cold on Tom King's writing, but uh, and I read the first four issues of this and I like it, but Greg Smallwood is such a, not just talented, such a smart illustrator and killer designer, mm. drawing, composition, color, not just style but styles this guy can do uh this it's i wouldn't quite say this guy can do anything but this guy can do many 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 things season's greetings talking joe listeners uh adam rich is here gi joe toy packaging and comic cover artist with two joe related christmas memories for you so the first one i got into gi joe around 1990 uh at that time there were a bunch of characters that were still prominent in the cartoon and comic that hadn't gotten a figure in many years for example lady J. So in 1994, I discovered this comic shop that's got a whole bunch of vintage, well, they weren't exactly vintage back then, but we'll say no longer at retail, Loose Joes, and they'd sell them in these little clear plastic boxes you'd put trading cards in. Okay, so it's Christmas morning, 1994, I'm opening my presents, and Santa gave me a few of those Loose Joes in those exact card cases, same price stickers and everything, and at that moment, I made the traumatic realization that Santa was actually mom, because obviously Santa wasn't dealing in the loose collectibles market, and uh, as we all know, the elves only produce mint on card. Um, but as mom slash Santa explained, there was no other way to get me those characters. So, um, and then the other memory takes place exactly 20 years later. It's Christmas 2014. I was deep in the throes of drawing my variant cover to a real American hero number 212 when I got tasked with a very tight deadline to draw file card art for four of the 2015 Jocon figures. So that whole month of December was kind of a blur of G.I. Joe work, but I specifically remember working until something like 6 in the morning on Christmas Day, putting the finishing touches on Metalhead version 4's card art, and then slogging through the rest of the day with family because I was absolutely exhausted from not sleeping. Uh, are those good memories? Uh, I'm not actually sure. Anyway... I wish all the Talking Joe listeners a very Merry Christmas and hope that Santa brings you all the classified figures you asked for this year, especially Sergeant Slaughter. Yo, Joe. Um, now we are getting on to my Christmas list. I have got uh, Catwoman Lonely City by Cliff Chang, the, the man behind uh, works such as Paper Girls. Speaking of amazing designer, illustrator, storyteller, and colorist, Cliff Chang, who writes, not just not just draws and colors and letters mm. uh lonely city but uh i think his either his first writing in comics or his first uh major writing in comics speaking of photos related to hub comics this has not been made public i have a photo of cliff chang singing karaoke at a hub comics party <laughs> very good i have some cliff chang's art 
hanging behind me. It's a picture of Baroness and uh, Cobra Commander. We've seen this before in one of our yeah. uh, video episodes, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, next up on my list is uh, the new one by Jock. Uh, I think it's called Batman One Dark Knight. Do you have things... I, uh, should I effuse about Jock? Uh, Jock's a great artist. I haven't read One Dark Knight, but I, I really like The Black Mirror, which is the Batman story mm-hmm. that he he co-drew with uh, Francesco Francavilla. If you are if you are looking for a a really good Batman story that's a little bit under your radar, everyone, I would recommend The Black Mirror. Yeah, he also did um, The Losers uh, for Vertigo, uh, written by Andy Diggle, which I think yeah, GI Joe fans should probably seek out if they've not read. It's um, a great book. Yeah, that's a good point. That's one of those movies that we could probably put into the category of the GI Joe movies that aren't GI Joe. Yeah. Okay, let's pause my Christmas wish list and get another of our contributions. This one is from our disavowed co-host. It's G.I.J. Jake Audrey. Howdy, Joe fans. Christmas was always special for me as a kid. Uh, From the very first year of the line, Christmas for me meant G.I. Joe. I can look through those old toy catalogs and pretty confidently tell you what I would have gotten for my birthday, uh, which is in September after most of that year's new toys had been released, and what I would have gotten for Christmas each year. The last big toy I got for Christmas was the Cobra Terradrome in 1986. 86 was kind of the last year I was into G.I. Joe. I wasn't a big fan of a lot of the vehicles or figures that came out in 87, Uh, but in 1986 the Terradrome came out, and there was nothing else I wanted more than to open up than that bad boy on Christmas morning. I had the Joe HQ from 83, but the whole time the only Cobra base I had was the Missile Command Center, which was cardboard. Uh, but the Terradrome was literally a fortress. It was amazing. I'd asked for it for Christmas that year, but I wasn't sure if I was going to get it or not, because I think my parents might have thought I was getting too old for that stuff. Uh, but one night after supper, my sister and I were sitting at the table doing our homework when Mom said she was going to go uh, in the back bedroom and wrap Christmas presents. I was specifically warned to stay put. All right, all right, I said, I'm staying here. Well, five minutes later, I'm laying on the floor in the hallway, trying to peek under the door to see if I could catch a glimpse of something. And I did. Mom was scooting something around on the floor, and it was big. I couldn't quite make it out, uh, and then I saw the words, Articulated Wings, Removable Rockets and Bombs. My sister wasn't getting anything for Christmas with removable rockets and bombs. That was for me. I'd seen it. I knew, and seeing that big box sitting under the tree every time I walked past it for the next couple of weeks made waiting for Christmas morning unbearable. Of course, anyone who has the Terradrome knows it's incredible. The base itself is cool enough with dual levels, multiple bays, computer banks, guns, a prison. Uh, And to top it all off, it came with arguably the coolest jet in the entire line, the Firebat. I love that thing. Pure red with folding wings and arm to the teeth. I had bunk beds growing up and the Terradrome set on my bottom bunk for the next two years. Easy. The Joe HQ was set up on the dresser in another part of the room, and the bottom bunk was Cobra Island. Had the Terradrome setting right in the center. Yeah, Terradrome was a great toy. It was a great gift and a great Christmas. It was always a great Christmas with Joe's under the tree. Merry Christmas, everybody, and Happy New Year. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Mark, do you, as a, as a grown-up... Do you are there Christmas things on your list that are not fun and not related to comics like <laughs> like a new pot or pan for the kitchen or wool socks? 
So, so as a grown up, I am always appreciative of of being given socks so that I don't have to buy them myself. And they, you know, get worn out. You get holes in the ends. You know, new socks are nice, uh, and, and you know, a new pair of pants. Uh, that's the English word, pants. What do you call them? Boxer shorts, whatever. <laughs> are there? Are, uh, is that an invention? Is that is that in Dickens? Is that something that Ebenezer Scrooge? No, no bonus pants for my employees at the at the lending. Mm-hmm. This joke is not working. Uh, I'm going to try a third time. I'm going to swoop back to sort of poking poking fun at the British thing when I make my third and final reference to Charles Dickens in this episode of Talking Joe. Do you have other comics or toy related Christmas list items? The the final one I think I've got on a big one anyway for for me on my graphic novel reading list is Ascender by uh, Jeff Lemire art by Dustin Nagoyan uh, it's the I think the finale third you know nice big hardcover uh, c- closing out uh, the Descender um, storyline that had been started uh, sort of a a nice uh, sci-fi you know great characters beautifully uh, illustrated I guess if you like Battle Angel Alita, that kind of thing, then this will be up your street. I'm just testing my ears. Are you are you looking for Descender or the spiritual sequel Ascender? Ascender is the one okay. that is just out, yeah. Okay. Let's hear from friend of the show, Bart Simon, about his childhood Christmases with G.I. Joe. Hey guys, Bart here. Uh, so I was born in 1975, so I've been with Joe since uh, practically day one. Uh, so it was Christmas break of 1982. I come back to grade school with some new uh, Star Wars guys that I got, and I was never really a big Star Wars fan, but you know that was the toy line at the time, so that's what I got for Christmas. Took that stuff to school, and I was playing with the other Star Wars kids, and at the corner of my eye, I see some uh, guys playing with, um, I think it was the Vamp and a couple other figures. I'm like, hey, what's that? They said, well, that's uh, G.I. Joe. It's uh, military people. So I said, well, hold on to my guys. I'm going to go over there and check that stuff out. So I go over there, and um, they proceed to tell me it's G.I. Joe, and it's these army guys that fight uh, Cobra the bad guys, and... Um, they look like they were having a lot better time than I was because of the articulation and it was just more of a real world thing that appeared to me, appealed to me. So I asked them if I could play and they were like, if you don't have any Joes, you can't play. I said, well, I got all this new Star Wars guys, you know, that Joes can uh, fight the Star Wars guys. And they're like, nope, no Joes, no play. So I went back to the uh, Star Wars kids, played with my Star Wars stuff. Immediately when I got home, I went to my mom and I said, I got to have these Joes, told her all about them. And she's like, well, we'll see. And uh, next time I went to the store, I saw them and uh, begged for them and nope, uh, couldn't get it. Next time I went to the store, nope. Next time I went to the store, begged again, finally got my first Joe. So I went back to school and that first Joe was Zap. And I was like, hey guys, I got this dude, he's got a bazooka. And I was like, this is going to blow up everything. And they're like, cool, you can play. So from then on out, uh, screw Star Wars. That stuff just sat in the box, collected dust, and I was in with the Joes. Then you uh, come to Summer Break. Summer Break, uh, which is played out in the woods like normal boys do, because none of my other friends in my neighborhood really collected toys, uh, let alone G.I. Joe. 
So now you come into the fall, and um, fall it was uh, you know back to school, you know bring your toys and play. So I, I brought my Zap back. By then I had had like two more figures, and uh, we're all playing, having a good time. Fast forward to Christmas, and uh, Christmas between my parents, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles on both sides of the family. I ended up getting uh, the remainder of the line uh, of 83 that I needed. I didn't have any straight arms. I had all a uh, swivel arm, but I did complete the run, uh, to which I immediately went and called my cousin and said, hey, did you get any Joes? And, and uh, he had got you know the rest of the, the run as well. From then on out, I just never looked back. Um, so it started at one Christmas with me not getting anything, the following Christmas, I got everything else I needed, and I haven't looked back since. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's been great uh, chatting with you guys and everything, and I look forward to the uh, next one. I love that. I can imagine a grizzled, hard-boiled Bart, even back at grade school, sort of sucking on a, on a candy cigarette. <sighs> hey, you kids, what do you got there? <laughs> love it. Tim, what is, what are the big what are the big sellers at Hub? Uh, to my pleasant surprise, uh, we have we have been selling a lot of Fun Girl, this wonderful wacky uh, hardcover published by Silver Sprocket and written and drawn by Elizabeth Pisch, who's German. Uh, we hosted her at my store back in September and had a successful uh, reading signing, and we kept a big stack of the book on the counter by the register ever since. And I made a sign that said, ask about this. <laughs> and people do. And then we tell them about the book and some of them buy it. It can make such a big difference when a store gets behind a particular book and the, the customers have got confidence that the, uh, the people in the store know their stuff. Yes. Uh, we do a lot of hand selling. And uh, that's my favorite part of the store uh, having the store it, it doesn't need to be a list and there doesn't need to be a superlative but that is a favorite part of the store where i can interact with customers and uh explain a book or or a variety of books this is some material from the 80s and stories were paced a little bit differently than or this book is sort of a like greatest hits this this other book is a is a discrete uh graphic novel with its own beginning and middle and end this one is you know for sort of 13 and up but if you've got an advanced reader you know well this one's sort of 15 and there's no there's no there's no nudity there's no cursing but there's a little bit of blood like you know sort of what are, what are you looking for black panther has been selling well sort of in general uh, because um, a couple years later since the first black panther live action film there are that many more black panther collections and graphic novels the success of the character has spread out a little bit. So, you know, six years ago, it was it was one or two books that were selling a lot more. And now it's 10 or 15 books where we're selling sort of a little bit of each, but, you know, more than we were in six months ago before the movie. Uh, and this can also, uh, in an ancillary way, spread out a little bit to those to the villain of the movie and that new character that the movie introduces, because they also have some books. Mm hmm. 
Hold on, Tim. It's my Action Force Obsessed Brit Alarm is going off, uh, which can only mean one thing. It's time for some Christopher McLeod Action Force. Hello there. I'm Christopher McLeod, a.k.a. Diagnostic 80 from the Full Force podcast, and here is one of my Christmas stories. Nothing quite beats that feeling you get around the holidays as a kid. Christmas was an extra special time for me, as it was for a lot of children in the 80s and 90s, because it was that one day a year that you were almost guaranteed some special presents. Birthdays too, of course, and generally any day of the week for rich kids, but I digress. I recall so many Christmas memories when I see G.I. Joe and Action Force figures, vehicles and playsets that it's hard to narrow it down to just one, but there is a memory that I will never forget even though I forgot about it by that particular Christmas day anyway. So the lead up to Christmas always began for me the moment my birthday, November the 27th, was out of the way. Even though it was a month away, which is technically 16 years in children's time, I was ready to get far too excited to sleep on Christmas Eve, oversleep till about 9 or 10 because I was super exhausted, open my special stocking prezzies as a lead into the day, which Santa would leave at the foot of my bed every year, and somehow I was never awake to notice when it happened. Magical. I was ready to get ready and go to whomever's house in the family was hosting the event, and then overeat, open prezzies and then somehow eat even more again before heading home to debrief and check all my precious bounty. That was the usual layout of the day, but I will start this story a whopping three weeks prior to the fat lad popping down the chimney. Yes, the year was 1988 and I was at my favourite age so far in my life, eight years old. One of the reasons for this was the year's Action Force product, but we will get to that. Now, we were located in Munsley in Norfolk, a seaside town so far from human civilization that it was once thought lost by the Romans. By proxy, we weren't very close to a Toys R Us back in the day. It's called Toys R Us, Toys R Us, Toys R Us. So a two-hour drive to either Peterborough or Cambridge was on the cards if mom and dad wanted to do a pre-event recce for presents. I would come with them, of course, and help to give them ideas on what to get me. Now, I don't recall having a trip close to Christmas that particular year, and I don't remember showing them any figures or vehicles I was after, so the fact that they got me what they did was outstanding. Anyway, it was a few weeks prior to the big day, and I'm rushing around looking for my shoes in the cupboard under the stairs. Now, bear in mind, our house was tiny, a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, with a hallway, kitchen and living room, so hiding things wasn't easy. I wasn't told specifically that I couldn't go in the cupboard, but I probably should have been. Anyway, in my hurried furore in trying to unearth a pair of high-techs, I moved what can only be described as a mountain of jackets to reveal the stunning box art for the Action Force International Heroes X-30 Conquest with Slipstream. You're looking at an incredible new plane, the G.I. Joe Conquest X-30. I was both shocked, pleasantly surprised, and a bit sad that I'd inadvertently ruined the surprise that my mum and dad were probably very proud of. It's funny how in that moment, whatever I was rushing for didn't seem that important anymore, and I fell into a floaty haze of euphoria in knowing I was going to be getting the new jet that I'd only seen in product leaflets and on the VHS tapes, specifically Arise Serpentor Arise. Loki sighted at 3 o'clock. Moment in for a look-see. Full Force Conquest on our tail, arming drone. 
Despite being blissfully excited, I made a point of immediately throwing all the jackets we ever owned back on the pile and going back to what I was doing, which was also probably forgotten at the time. I weirdly felt bad even though it had been a total accident so I didn't say a word to mum or dad about it and pretended I had no idea what to expect for Christmas. What followed should have been a rapid few weeks of kid things until the 25th, but no, those weeks dragged on like I was waiting for Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway to get back from that planet in Interstellar. Seven years per hour here, let's make it count. And guess what? I had legitimately forgotten about my experience under the stairs, and the reason I remember that specific aspect is because upon opening the X30 on Crimbo Day, I was genuinely surprised and then immediately recounted the story of finding it under the stairs to my family and totally forgetting about it. What I had somehow managed to completely miss was the even bigger present hiding a bit further in the back of the cupboard, the mobile Bloomin' Command Center with Steamroller. Mobile Command Center comes with driver, other figures and vehicles sold separately. I was blown away and will never forget that odd little microcosm of my life when I thought I'd spoil the surprise, only to be surprised in a much greater way. Thanks mum and dad, you're the Bloomin' Best. Thank you to Chris for that, putting us all to shame with his polished production. Uh, if you're not following the Full Force podcast, uh, then make sure you are doing that for all of your G.I. Joe news needs. So uh, an, an English tradition, Tim, every year it now is that we get all sorts of interesting uh, TV adverts sort of tapping into Christmas feelings and, and um, most typifying that is is a store called John Lewis who every year uh, they release a, uh, a Christmas advert that, that everyone is looking forward to <laughs> and they uh, what they typically do will have a little story uh, sort of you know playing out through the advert and you know in the background there will be, uh, some music, which is like a, a, a sort of a cover version in a paired back kind of acoustic style. So this year's John Lewis song is all about a middle-aged man who's going to stay uh, with a new family for the Christmas period. And um, that family, you know, wants to find out all about G.I. Joe toys so that they can help assimilate this this middle-aged guy into their family over Christmas and uh, here's the song that was recorded All the small toys true joy for old boys I'll take these guys four inch the best size always I know I'll have my Joe's watching, playing, commemorating, say it ain't so, I will not go, pack my toys up, carry them home. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so that, that I think I was being disingenuous. That wasn't the actual song. That was uh, that was my cover version uh, there. So the background on this one is that this year's John Lewis uh, advert is called The Beginner, and it tells the story of a big-hearted man who takes uh, up a new hobby later in life uh, to connect with the child, that being uh, the child that he's going to be caring for over Christmas, that being skateboarding, uh, not actually G.I. Joe collecting. And yeah, the music is all the small things recorded as a cover version by Postmodern Jukebox featuring Puddles Pity Party, a.k.a. Big Mike. Year, um, a cover of the original Blink 182 song. So, uh, yeah, our, our, our Christmas traditions, we, we sort of, at the beginning of December, we'll we'll unpack our, our Christmas tree out of the loft. We got a plastic one that, that we got not long after having uh, having our first child. And so, so that has been done as proud, uh, for, for, for Christmas, get it down off the loft, unpack it out of the box, expand out all of the branches and plug it in, put on uh, the Christmas baubles and tinsel and whatnot, and it's uh, ready to go. But yeah, every year it's sort of slightly more sparse on the number of plastic needles that are sticking out a little bit more breaks and browns, uh, appearing underneath. Uh, but it's done us very well. We're very proud of it. And uh, that will generally be the focal point for our day uh, on Christmas Day as we gather around and, uh, and sort of get the, the presents uh, out from under the tree. Yeah, as as they're, the kids are getting a little bit older, James at 13 is less interested in, in toys now, but Thomas is still very interested in getting little men the G.I. Joes, and uh, I actually recorded a conversation with him uh, earlier about what he would like for Christmas. <laughs> hey, Thomas, I was wondering, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, a million G.I. Joe toys, please. A million G.I. Joe toys? That sounds like quite a lot. How about I explain it to you in song? I close my eyes and I can see toys under the Christmas tree that I call G.I. I've got a lot, but I need more. All the toys I've not had before, and I'll fill my home. They can say, they can say it all sounds crazy. They can say, they can say I've lost my mind I don't care, I don't care cause our chance crazy We can have all the toys that they desire Cause every night I lie in bed Neon colours fill my head My million toys are keeping me Think of what the games could be A vision of the one I see A million toys is all it's gonna take A million jobs for the game we're gonna make There's a house we can build Where every room inside is filled 
protect from far away From Hasbro Pulse I can buy pre-orders a constant supply Or from eBay They can say, they can say it all sounds crazy Say they can say we've lost our minds I don't care, I don't care cause I'm hella crazy I can collect every single design Every night I lie in bed The neon colours fill my head A million toys are keeping me awake I think of what the world could be A vision of the one I see A million toys is all it's gonna take Oh, a million Joes for the games we're gonna make However big, however small I want no part at all Enough is enough, I please You think you're right, in fact you're wrong But all your toys belong In your room you see Too many toys my eyes to see I close my eyes and see Every night I lie in bed The neon colours fill my head A million toys are keeping me a million toys, a million toys. I think of what the house can be. A version of the one I see. A million toys will only make me flake. Million toys, oh for goodness sake. For the games we're gonna make. Seriously, you're not getting a million toys. Go and tidy your room. One, I won't clean my room. And two, how about a thousand? A million toys, it was, was the answer. And and he will definitely be having some uh, G.I. Joes under the Christmas tree, depending on on what gets shipped to me by Hasbro. <laughs> I've got oh. Crimson Guard on, on order. We might still see that in December. But uh, yeah, otherwise, who knows? It's some, uh, some older stuff. A Christmas tree tradition for me is to get gi joe and transformers and take them to toy drive collection sites or i guess any one year a single you know toys for u.s marine corps toys for tots or other other named and organized uh toy drives because i i think well i had so many wonderful gi joe and transformers toys when i was a kid and i would be sad if somewhere out there there was a kid who wanted some cool robot or soldier and because this is anecdotal based on what i see when i go to toy drives you know usually it's it's sort of the bank near my house or the other bank near my house they've got a box where people are dropping off toys and what i see is um more dolls and a uh, little kid sort of role play like like a teacup mm. set or 
maybe Hot Wheels and Matchbox or plush, like a stuffed animal or a stuffed monster. And I tend not to see action figures. And I think, is this getting skewed really young? And is this getting skewed, not that I buy into these sort of roles, but, you know, the American toy industry sure did for several decades, girl toys. And so uh, some years I will, if I'm doing shopping at, you know, my local Target, or if I (laughs) feel like dropping some money at Big Bad Toy Store online, uh, I will get some Joe and Transformers and then take them to a local uh, drop-off site. And back when there was an annual JoeCon or uh, BotCon in the summer, I would keep an eye out for something that was sort of marked down. And for several years, the the G.I. Joe action figure two-packs, both the ones with O-rings and the ones that were the 2007 bodies, where it comes with a comic book, uh, there were many years where I was at uh, JoeCon where someone would have some of those and they were they were marked down. And I thought, what an amazing thing to get for Christmas because you get <laughs> probably a good guy and a bad guy and a story. And particularly if it was one of the Marvel reprint issues, which uh, let, let's face it, I think we like those more than those new stories that came a little later. <laughs> Though those new stories are neat, you know, it's, it's like, oh, who's this guy with the silver mask? And who's this other guy with the, I don't know, laser? It's like, well, here's a story with them. My, my favorite thing to take to a toy drive is a multi-pack, is a box with, you know, two Guardians of the Galaxy and also Thanos and also, I don't know, Venom or something. Mm. Or like, you know, it's Batman and the Joker and uh, Robin and Batgirl and Clayface, right? As opposed to just Clayface. So uh, I, I have not seen Encanto. My wife did, but we were at Target recently and they have this awesome 10 pack of the entire family and each one has an accessory and the toys look great. Nice. And I thought, man, if you've seen that movie this year or you know people who won't stop talking about that movie, you get the entire family. What, to use a term, what play value? This is Kirk Bazigian, G.I. Joe, a real American hero, brand manager with my Christmas memories. Christmas is always a wonderful time for me. The lights, the sounds, the scent of evergreens and cookies baking, and of course, the birth of baby Jesus. But Christmas is even more special for those of us in the toy business. As Christmas morning approached, I spent the weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day visiting every local toy retailer, checking shelves to see what was selling and what was not selling. Not just Hasbro toys, but even our competitions. As one of Santa's elves, I wanted to be sure we made just the right toys to fill Santa's sleigh. In addition to store checks, I would pore over weekly sales reports from our key customers, analyzing numbers for G.I. Joe, Transformers, and the rest of our boys' toys brands. To me, those were more than sales figures. They were you, our fans and collectors, asking Santa to make your Christmas morning special. Today, I still think of you, our G.I. Joe fans. May all your Christmas dreams come true, and may this be your best Christmas ever. Merry Christmas. Tim, 
we've been talking about sort of our modern Christmases. What about the Christmases of your childhood? Can what what are your memories of those, and particularly GI Joe memories? Can you do you remember getting GI Joes under the tree for Christmas? So this is um, not sad. This is sort of funny because as as much as my life has been hand in hand with GI Joe, and as important as Christmas was my whole life, I don't really have any. G.I. Joe Christmas stories. Uh, there was a year, I think it's 86, where I got two figures. Uh, one was Buzzer. So it's his second year figure, right? So that's the year where his file card is gray, not beige on the back. And I opened up a, you know, Christmas wrapping and it was Buzzer and uh, I forget, but someone from the 86 line sort of, you know, sandwiched together, stacked. And I've been thinking about this question of yours because we have done a little prep work for this episode, putting on our thinking caps. And because I had a weekly allowance when I was a kid, I got a little, I got a little money from my parents and so did my brother. And because we, we you know, had birthdays, my brother and I did much of our G.I. Joe buying on our own. Mm-hmm. And some of it was, I got, I got the havoc for my birthday in, what's that, 85? 86, excuse me. So our G.I. Joe getting was nicely spread out throughout the year. And there certainly were some big, exciting, you know, Christmas presents. We got a radio-controlled car and, uh, you know, lots of other stuff. But I actually don't have a really good, like, you know, the terror drone or, (laughs) you know, the flag. I don't have that story. And it's not like I think I should. But when you said a few weeks ago, Tim, think about your Christmas stories. I thought, oh, that's easy. There kind of are none. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, my brother and I had a good amount of G.I. Joe. But uh, I queried my very good friend, Nick Nadell, who is a writer producer in New York. Readers of my blog will know of Nick because he's editing my book and also listeners of this podcast. If, you, if you've watched any of those video essays at Atomic Abe that I plug at the very end of each episode. If you've laughed at a joke, uh, there's a 50-50 chance that Nick wrote it because he's he's one third of Atomic Abe. So I, I queried him and Nick Nadell said, I don't have a specific toy memory, but here's something related to the cartoon. The first episode of G.I. Joe I saw was the Christmas episode. Cobra Claws are coming to town. For some reason, my local syndicated channel showed the episode in prime time And I remember loving the episode and the scene where Duke carves the turkey that Roadblock has prepared. There's also some great mayhem courtesy of Firefly, who instantly became a favorite character. Happy holidays to the Talking Joe podcast. Uh, (laughs) And then Nick also adds, I have a distinct memory of watching it with a babysitter and my sister. I thought Firefly was cool and liked everyone eating together. I assume our local syndicated channel was like, we need some holiday filler, and this is ex- Christmas related. Let's air it at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday or whatever. So uh, this is a reminder to our listeners that if you are feeling a little sad that there isn't uh, much in the way of G.I. Joe Christmas comics, we, we as fans, we have a Christmas episode. Uh, Cobra Claws are coming to town. It's written by Roy and Dan Thomas and Carla and jerry conway and it's got everything it's got more than one pet because polly speaks and also 
junkyard is in it. It's got a shrinking and enlarging ray. It's got a Norman Rockwell moment of Joe's having a Christmas meal around a, a table. It's got Roblox, as Nick said, doing that thing that Roblox does, which is making or preparing food, uh, presenting food. And it's got a meta joke because <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, what are the Joes doing? They are collecting toys for a holiday drive, right? So they're, they're doing charity work. The Joes aren't making food or volunteering at a soup kitchen. What are the Joes doing? They're collecting toys. So, <laughs> hey, kids watching this, be sure to, be sure to ask your grown-ups for G.I. Joe toys, right? <laughs> Very charitable. Hey, happy holidays. This is Chuck X. Gorin from Option38.com. When it comes to G.I. Joe nostalgia at the holidays, like a lot of kids in the 80s, mine goes back to getting big G.I. Joe toys at Christmas. Things such as the killer whale the defiant the rolling thunder what have you the big stuff even the sky striker get the idea anyways my specific memory is probably from always end up thinking about the 1984 christmas holiday i remember i got the rattler that year we had come home for a midnight mass at like one in the morning open all our presents and my dad and i stayed up until probably about two or three a.m that night breaking off all the plastic parts of the rattler and putting all the stickers on and funny thing about it, I remember my dad started, uh, as he was known to do, he would start chanting a song when he was doing, doing working on a project. And this time he kept saying, with the military air, with the military air. And for decades, I had no idea what he was talking about, but always stuck in my head. And then just a few years ago, I finally saw the Jungle Book, the Disney version, and I saw the elephant singing that song. And after all these years, I was like, Wow. That's the song my dad was singing at that Christmas. So there you go. And now you know. Da -da 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 -da. Thanks. Bye. My Christmas memories as a child are just very vague. My memory is rubbish. You know, reading your blog of some of your memories of, you know, first time you encountering the, the comic and all these kind of things, you seem very uh, t t able to pinpoint exact moments in time. And I just uh, not able to do that quite so well. But like you, I had, you know, pocket money and I just, you know, whenever I'd see a new Joe, I'd try and buy it if I had the money because uh, the time and these things are on the shelves is fleeting. And if you don't get it when you see it, you might not ever see it again. Um, so we would try and get um, get get things uh, along the, the year. But I think typically some of those bigger things probably were the birthdays and the Christmases, like the likes of the tactical battle platform and the whale and the hydrofoil and the mobile command center. I'm sure these things uh, sort of came along at, uh, at Christmas. And because both me and my brother were collecting it, it meant we got twice as much. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Christmases were, were always uh, fun times for, for toys. Uh, that's, that's a point that I can echo. My brother is three years older. He was also into GI Joe very much. And so even though, I didn't really play with his toys and he didn't really play with my toys. We, in a general sense, we shared because we would play together. But um, in terms of purchasing power, you know, if if one of us got the Awestriker, now collectively we had the Awestriker. You know, if one of us got Serpentor, our games can now have Serpentor. And so, mm. you know, a Viper or a, a an Eel or a you know the the guys who are multi uh, who are a multitude uh, we could have redundancies but we 
we could we could sort of split the line in half because there were two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, after we uh, listen to some contributions from others, I will swoop back because I do have a G.I. Joe Christmas story that's not, I think, quite what you were uh, asking about. But it, it involves me and the aforementioned uh, my friend, writer, producer, Nick Nadell. We recently caught up with Devil's Due military consultant, Andrew Swenson, and we asked him about his childhood Christmases with G.I. Joe. So I, I do have a number of memories of of uh, G.I. Joe at birthdays and Christmas for, uh, I'd say, a good number of years in a row. One in particular was the year, boy, I hope I'm doing this right, I think 84, 85, was the year when, you know, my brother and I uh, came down to the tree in the morning, and um, he had, I think, the Sky Striker and the Whale, I want to say, and I believe I had the Mauler, I want to say, maybe one of the bases as well, uh, the dragonfly. So it was probably one of the most, excuse me, that was probably one of the fondest uh, Christmas memories I have. We just, we thought we had died and gone to Christmas heaven. <laughs> so we, you know, even, even you know, as a family getting together and having to go to church later that day, that was just torture because it took us away from our new toys that we love so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, my, here's a little tidbit too, is my dad was so, Type A, God bless his soul. Um, he would stay up all night putting all the stickers on ahead of time because, oh wow, yeah, he couldn't stand you know the the kid plays stickers that might be crooked all over the place. So so when we went down in the morning, the stickers were already on, and he had gotten about twenty minutes of sleep total. You know, <laughs> that is so, amazing because yeah. I was going to say like a typical experience for for a GI Joe collector at Christmas is that it's underneath the tree. But you can't play for it for a good few hours because, yeah, you've got church, you've got, you know, Christmas Day lunch, etc. And then you've got to get that toy out of the box, put it together, put the stickers on. That's some, you know, serious playtime being eaten into there. Oh, that was daunting. <laughs> if you, you know, later on, I obviously put my own stickers on. But, you know, in the beginning, you'd see some of those sheets. I mean, that was incredible. You know, all the do not steps. You know, well, my dad had to have all of those stickers on completely. So, I mean, I don't even <laughs> want to know how long it took him. So for our issue 299 episode... Thomas and I recorded a new song. Do you want to build a clone man about Dr. Mindbender building a new Snake Eyes clone in the in the tradition of Frozen? So given that uh, we're all a little bit frozen at Christmas, uh, it sounds, I think it's, a, it's a, an appropriate time to give that one another airing. This holiday season, coming to you from Walt Disney Pictures, comes... A touching story of a mad scientist and his ninja clone. Cobra? Do you want to build a clone man? Let's make a ninja guy. I've got one in the straw, there might be more, but the real one's gone away. They used to be dead bodies. And now they're not, my boots are all thigh high Yeah, you wanna build a clone man? I really want a clone man Go away, mind bender! Okay, die! 
Hi guys, it's Paddy Lennon here, uh, writer of the Total Action Force books. My G.I. Joe memory for, for Christmas is how I found out about that Santa Claus didn't exist. So um, we had a shop in my hometown called Heaton's, which sold, Christmas time sold toys. And one of the toys they had on display uh, one year was the Tomahawk. And I saw it in a window multiple times and I said to my parents, oh, I really hope Santi brings that for me for Christmas uh, and so on and so forth. And then about a week before Christmas, my elder sister, Emer, brought me uptown and we walked by Heaton's and the tomahawk was gone. And I was absolutely devastated because Santa wouldn't be able to get it for me. It's gone. It's, it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's missing from the window. I'll never get it. And I, I pretty much had a nervous breakdown at the main street of my hometown. And my sister shook me up by saying, the reason it's not in the window is because our parents already brought it for you. <laughs> and I was like, wait, for parents? There's no Santa Claus? And so that is how the G.I. Joe Tomahawk directly led to me to me finding out that there was no Santa. So Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, thanks to everybody for all your help this year. So uh, I think there's a tradition at, for Christmas that uh, there will be a reading of A Night Before Christmas. Um, so, for the pod- listeners of the podcast, uh, let's let's break out that old-fashioned story uh, with a little bit of a GI Joe twist. It was a night before Christmas when all through their base, no cobra was stirring, not even Scarface. Their weapons were hung on the racks with care in the hopes that Storm Shadow wouldn't be there. The Cobras were nestled, snug in their beds, while versions of brainwave scanners danced in their heads. And the commander and his cow and an iron of scrap had just settled their brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the shore there arose such a clutter, Zartan sprang from his bed to see what was the matter. The guards' towers illuminated the beach with a flash, blinded by explosions that had blown up the, a stash. The moon on the breast of the newly landed Joes gave a luster of the midday to the invaders below. When what to the sentry's eyes did appear but a miniature boat and eight Joes yelling, all clear, with a sneaky storm shadow so lively and quick and a joe there beside him must be quick kick more rapid than eagles along the beach that they had came they whistled and shouted and took careful aim now quick kick now roadblock now stormy and snakes on duke on scarlet on wild card and flint to the top of the towers clamber over the wall Charlie, Mike, lock and load, blast away all. As they leave the beach, the cobras continue to die. The terror drone launches a fire bat into the sky. So they made for the freighter, but the cobras all knew. There was a team full of troops and storm shadow too. And then in a tinkling of gunfire they heard on the roof, a vengeful ninja who, who had appeared almost bulletproof. As Zartan drew back his bow and was turning round, Storm Shadow appeared, landing with bounds. He was dressed all in camo, from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with blood splats and soot. A pair of sharp swords hung on his back, 
and he looked like an assassin about to attack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his expression, not merry. His deadly intent, revenge, was primary. As Zartan in fear drew back his longbow, it was clear it was finally time for the show. Down, Storm Shadow drew his sword from its sheath and through the smoke advanced with his clenched teeth. He slashed Zartan across his armoured belly. He dropped to his knees, legs turned to jelly. He was bloody and scarred, no longer himself. Storm Shadow took no pity and still with great stealth poked out his eyes and twisted his head, soon left Zartan on the ground, laid down dead. Storm Shadow spoke no word, but went straight to work, laid down his ex some explosives, then turned with a jerk, laying his finger atop of the detonator button, and with a fast exit in mind, the chopper did summon. He sprang to his copter, his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like a down of a thistle. With a click of the trigger, the cobras should dread. Explosions filled the air, the cobras were all dead. I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to Cobra, on this, your last night. <laughs> G.I. Joe is so flexible. You can you can you can implant it and spread it over so many other stories and notions and uh, ideas. Okay, Tim, what was the thing that you were going to talk about that I wouldn't expect as a Christmas memory? Okay, so um when you when you first brought this up, I think you were asking more specifically about Christmas when I was a kid, you know, when I was five or ten. And uh when I was in high school, I really got into this uh, Christmas tradition where my my very, very good friend, Nick Nadell, uh, we met in seventh grade and we we were friends in middle school and in high school. And we stayed in touch when we went off to school. And he he, he continues to, right? He's, he's my creative partner in this other thing and this other thing. So... Uh, 1994 was the 30th anniversary of G.I. Joe, and uh, toy collector fans will probably remember that Hasbro unveiled a mail-away exclusive anniversary figure of Joseph Colton in both sizes, three and three quarter inch and 12 inch. And to get them, you needed 20 proofs of purchase from a G.I. Joe toy and whatever it was, three bucks, one buck, five bucks. And in an amazing monkey wrench thrown into, in an amazing spanner in the works thrown into this plan, right? Because we'd all been saving flag points. So we wouldn't have to go out and buy anything new, right? Everyone in 1994 who'd been paying attention to G.I. Joe already had 20 flag points, if not many more. But this offer, flag points were not good. They were not valid. You had to cut the UPC barcode mm. off of a G.I. Joe toy and <laughs> And thus launched assuredly thousands, if not tens of thousands of additional Joe <laughs> purchases across America. And I decided I was going to get both because in uh, this is 11th grade, I guess I had sort of fully made the transition from 
kid buying toys to play with them to slightly older kid buying toys and keeping them in the package now as a collector. And G.I. Joe was my jam right then and Transformers. So I need I needed to go buy like 20 G.I. Joe action figures because <laughs> that was the cheapest way to do it. I wasn't going to I wasn't going to get a Joseph Colton with with vehicles. Right. But I already had most of the, you know, 93 line and the 94 line. Right. I think two years earlier, three years earlier for Christmas, I had arranged a small scavenger hunt at my home for my friend Nick, where uh, I gave him a clue and there were four or five presents. You know, something was a comic book and something was maybe a very small toy and then something was something that I'd drawn and then something else was a comic book. So each clue led to a present and with the present was the next clue. And the clues were written and or drawn on blue index cards. And that first year, you know, I think it took like 25 minutes and it went from like my living room near my TV VCR up to my room and then down to the basement and then back up to like my brother's room or the guest room or something, right? And Nick was really tickled by this and it was fun to sort of play this scenario. So in 11th grade, so here's, here's, the, here's, <laughs> here's the conundrum. I need to buy 20 action figures. I need to buy 20 G.I. Joe figures because I need Joseph Colton. I'm not going to open them because I'm not playing with toys anymore. And they aren't going to count as part of my mint sealed collection because they have a one inch gash in them where I've cut a barcode. And so I need to give them to someone. But I also want to give them to someone. And very briefly, in sort of 10th, 11th, 12th grade, even though we were too old to be playing with toys, Nick and I got back into playing with toys. And we had a few G.I. Joe games, whereas, you know, young adults in high school, we were down on our hands and knees on the carpet <laughs> doing voices and smashing figures against each other, loading up on vehicles with weapons and backpacks, doing stories. And I remember it, it, it didn't feel the same as when I'd been a little kid. But that was fun. And we did it, you know, two or three times as older high school students. And so I thought I could give some of these to Nick for Christmas. And, oh, I could I could really stretch out the scavenger hunt. You know, I had an allowance. And uh, in 11th grade, I had a job. Uh, I worked at the comic book store in town. And so I arranged this very long scavenger hunt. And I would step out of the room and come back in with a visor and a clipboard. And I think I tucked <laughs> in my shirt and I forget what his name was, but for the next little while I was, his name was, you know, Mark or Brett or, you know, this a Simpsons reference, Bort. Uh, but he was, it was, he was someone else and he was running the scavenger hunt and he could only answer yes or no questions. And there was a little bit of sort of hot and cold, you know, you're getting hotter, you're getting hotter. And so uh, let's say Brett. Brett comes in and he hands Nick the first clue. And so we started in my room. And, you know, the, a clue might be like uh, a, a little doodle of Two-Face. And Two-Face says, my origin. And so Nick would think, oh, is this the origin? 
uh, on the show because if it is tim has all the episodes of batman the animated series taped on vhs i'll go to over i'll go over to his shelf of tapes or oh is this his origin in comics i need to go find uh batman annual 14 from summer of 1990 in tim's short box with batman comics right amazing comic written by andy helfer drawn by chris sprouse um and i'm looking for a blue index card with the next clue or maybe like a toy or a, a, a present or something sticking out sort of conspicuously and so that that christmas of 11th grade the scavenger hunt was like two and a half hours because there were so many gi joe figures to i say this very kindly get rid of right 17 or 18 or 19 or 20 gi joe action figures and this was totally unreasonable to give this much to a friend but a very 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 good friend who was a big you know, G.I. Joe fan, uh, it sort of made sense. And also Nick had moved a few times when he was young. And so he didn't have a lot of his childhood toys when I knew him in middle school and high school. And so this was sort of a way to build back up his Joe army. And the scavenger, <laughs> scavenger hunt, I think, took two and a half hours. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was I was a little tired, but it was also great. But it was also... You know, because I was in character the whole time. I was, <laughs> I was Brett or whoever, and and at a certain point, you know, like if 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 you get, you know, like a slice of cake, and then someone says, "Oh, I I, I don't I I'm not hungry. I, I spoiled my lunch already. I ate before I came here. Would you like my cake?" And you think, "I will have a second piece of cake." Do you want eight slices of cake? And um, so you know, by the sixth or seventh GI Joe action figure, Nick was <laughs> still very excited. And I was a little worried that he would start to feel overwhelmed because I was feeling a little overwhelmed. Like, is this is this too much? Like, this isn't like, am I being a bad friend? But is this just sort of as a standard? Like, no, don't give your friend <laughs> 20 things for Christmas. Like, don't give your kid 20 things for Christmas. Give your kid three or nine, right? Or, you know, three awesome things and then socks and, you know, like a new uh, three-ring binder for school or something. Things they need. And... Nick was not being overwhelmed by this. Nick was delighted. And also, you know, the uh, 93 and 94 figures, some of them are great. Um, and some of them are, are good. And some of them are, are, if you were to buy figures on your own, you might not get around to buying Snowstorm. But, you know, Snowstorm with the sort of white and orange or the white and orange and blue, you know, like General Flag, good figure. Uh, he's, he's, a little, he's a little too beefy. Uh, he's got that uh, cool sort of catapult thing. And if you don't have a uh, someone high ranking, you definitely want General Flag. But, you know, maybe you want Dial Town. Maybe you want the 93, 94 Stalker. You know, like guys that you know or guys that you didn't have the first time that they were released. And Nick was just getting them all. <laughs> and I felt a little self-conscious at the end because, you know, he's like spreading out on the floor in my room this this army and then i think we had a game with sort of his new recruits and the like i i had put most of my figures in storage and i had kept 15 of them and i think two two or three vehicles and so we had sort of a modest i i, I should say i had put my childhood toys mostly away and then up on a shelf i had my very small but growing like mint sealed i'm a toy collector collection with you know like ninja force and battle core so that's my sort of unexpected christmas 
uh, story where right. it's not me getting something as a six-year-old. It's me going overboard. Uh, but it was really fun to, uh, you know, the, the night before and the morning of figure out what the clues would be and to hide them throughout my house. And the idea was to sort of have each one go sort of as far as possible the next one. So it wasn't like, oh, here's the third clue. Oh, the fourth clue is five feet to my right on that bookshelf. It was always you'd have to stand up and go somewhere else or even outside, right? It's like, oh, this is this is outside in the mailbox. So Merry Christmas, Nick. <laughs> and the great punchline to this story as well is that when you asked Nick, Nick, do you have any Christmassy G.I. Joe stories? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, nothing. Uh, I got uh, nothing. It's... <laughs> It's not that he forgets that. It's that the same way that I was defaulting to when I was a little kid from your query, he was defaulting to when he was a little kid with my query. And when I then said, oh, wait, uh, the scavenger hunt, he and I both had a moment where we thought, wait, was that birthday or Christmas? And then I'm remembering, no, no, no. For his birthday, I would be at his house because uh, we were seeing a movie in Washington, D.C. And I lived in Maryland. And so I... I definitely know that this egregious deployment of between 17 and 20 action figures for one gift-giving day for my uh, my very good pal, it was indeed Christmas. So congratulations, Hasbro. It worked. That is just that is just mean as well. You've been collecting these flag points all these years, and they're like, no, no, we're not going to do anything with those. It's going to be the uh, it's going to be the old barcode this time. Uh, and and the unspoken uh, the unspoken two follow up questions. Uh, Tim, did you get Joseph Colton? <laughs> yes, I yes I did in in both sizes, and uh, I was one of the people who got the big one after they ran out. So I got the they sent me not they didn't send me back my proofs of purchase, but they printed it out as if they were giving me a little certificate to say here are the proofs of purchase that you sent us that we can't redeem. We're sorry we ran out, and then. Two months later, they just sent the replacement Joseph Colton, okay. which toy collectors may know about, uh, which is um, they grabbed some of the Arctic gear from uh, it, 3D Joe's or YoJo.com tells this story in a paragraph. But uh, there, there was sort of a replacement. So they sent me a 12 inch figure and it's like Arctic Joseph Colton. So I do have both of those in my modest adulthood uh, vintage collection. Hey, and look what's just come through our Christmas post box. It's a little message from our good friend Carson at 3D Joe's. Christmas 1986. I had just started collecting G.I. Joe. I had been watching the cartoon for a couple of years, but it took me a while to wear my mom down <laughs> to where she would buy me some toys. I was looking relentlessly for Christmas presents that year. I was seven years old. I was certainly curious about, you know, I didn't think Santa Claus was real anymore. So I was looking. Anyway, we found two packages from Santa to me and to my brother. And we definitely peeked inside the paper and saw that we were both getting Conquest X-30s. So it was awesome because that's an amazing jet. Thank you, Guy Cassidy. But also kind of sad because the Conquest X-30 killed Santa Claus. I finally figured out that Santa wasn't real when I found those packages. Anyway, it was a memorable Christmas. And the next year, I got the Mobile Command Center. So a couple really good Christmases in a row. Yo, Joe, thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Peace. 
Oh, Tim, I remembered another thing that was on my Christmas list, but was another comic <laughs> um, or graphic novel. Uh, this was the latest volume of Black Sad, the anthropomorphic cat as a hard-boiled PA. No, PA? No, that would be a whole different story. PI. Yeah. Um, uh, Black Sad is, it's this... Uh, Spanish comic that Dark Horse publishes in America by uh, Juan Diaz Canales and uh, uh, Juan Yo uh, Guarnito. Guarnito. Uh, it's originally published in in French, and you know this is this distinction between European comics and American comics. Where here we're mostly used to monthly periodicals that are you know twenty thirty pages at a time, and in Europe. The tradition is more the sort of annual or twice annual uh, 48-page album, uh, 64-page album, right? Bande dessinée, the the French word, which basically translates to graphic novel. And, you know, our comics historically are sort of written and drawn fast and printed cheaply. Although, you know, with Photoshop and glossy paper, that's changed in the last 30 years. And uh, Black Sad represents in the European tradition, uh, full, full process color, uh, like blue line color, where if you think of how like the Dark Knight Returns or uh, the death of Captain Marvel, like the Marvel and DC uh, prestige format or original graphic novels of the 80s, how those are have color applied and are printed. I have not read Black Sad, but one of my employees, uh, Michael Talbot, loves Black Sad and uh, recommends it pretty often when people come into the store looking for looking for ideas and are open to uh crime and you can you can sort of almost get away with not even pointing out that it's anthropomorphic animals because the art is uh it's it is more realistic and uh you know like like usagi ojimbo is cartoony the artwork is cartoony and i say that just as a descriptor not as a not as a good or a bad and i love usagi ojimbo and black sad it, it the artwork is you know the proportions of the characters the amount of detail and all the color the fully painted color beautiful and uh, uh, yeah i think dark horse released this year or last year a i think they called it a complete edition but of course now long it's no longer complete but um a uh, an oversized edition that collects several stories together so um i would without hesitation recommend uh, that people pick that up yeah at the moment there are three black sad books the first one is a three-in-one and has what dark horse previously published as three separate books and then there's the fourth one armadillo and the new fifth one uh, i forget the subtitle but isn't it isn't it part one Oh, yeah. I think it might have the word lonely in it, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I think it might be a part one. I think that's the the, the one before that was Amarillo rather than Armadillo. But, um... Oh, excuse me. Thank you. Right. That's that's what I get. For... <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> uh, that's what I get for trying to know every book in the store without reading them. It's time for another Christmas message from a friend of the show. This time it is Matt Mylar Miller, best known for making those glorious diorama photos uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, take away, Matt. 
It was Christmas 1987. I really wanted an All-Striker, but uh, as we all know, they were released in 86, well, 85 and 86, but not in 87. So my dad uh, and a store associate went in the back warehouse and found five All-Strikers, but all missing various parts. And uh, with the blueprints, they managed to put together one whole All-Striker, and uh, it remains my one of my favorite Christmas memories and uh, definitely my favorite toy from childhood. Merry Christmas, Joe fans. Thank you, Talking Joe. Be well and yo, Joe. I had a Christmas quiz for you, Tim. Fire away. Do you remember that I came up with a quiz uh, called Serpent or Serpent or is it a serpent or is it something else? Uh, yes, I don't remember it being Christmas themed, though. I just remember well, this was a, a way to entertain listeners and embarrass me on the show. <laughs> That's right. Well, I've got a Christmas special for you today. Excellent. Is it a serpent? Is it something else? Is it something else? Well, if it's serpent, it's a really snaky serpent. Really snaky serpent. And today I will be asking, is it an international word meaning snake? Or is it uh, an international Christmas activity or tradition? (laughs) Excellent. Let's begin. Let's see how you get on, Tim. Will you be getting a beautiful Christmas satsuma as a lucky prize or a lump of coal in your stocking? Or some snake in my stocking. (laughs) And I reach in and I'm bitten and I think I didn't know enough about snakes or Christmas words. Okay, so Havu. Can you spell it? H-A-V-U. That is not a snake. That's that's a tradition, an activity. You tried and failed. This is a German origin meaning snake. Ah. (laughs) Okay. It carries the meaning serpent lady as well. Uh, Krampus. Oh, uh, Krampus is is, uh, German. And that is the sort of the December uh, like pagan, uh, like monster devil who um, terrorizes children. That's right. It's uh, yeah, Austrian tradition, evil accomplice of St. Nicholas, said to wander the streets in search of badly behaved children. Every time I get one of these right, a little G.I. Joe figure that I gave to my friend in high school gets its wings. Kagana. Can you spell that? C-A-G-A-N-E-R. That's a snake. This is a Catalan word. (laughs) It is the Catalan tradition of having a pooping Christmas figurine. In their their traditional uh, nativity scenes uh, with their carved little figurines, they will uh, insert uh, a little man who has got his trousers around his ankles doing a poop. All right, I'm one for two. (laughs) Nagini. That's a snake. That is a snake. It is from Indian origin, meaning snake. 
And as a bonus point, Tim, it is uh, the serpent name of one of the characters in the movie series. James Bond. Harry Potter. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been my second guess. Star Trek. Uh, Schumann. S-H-U-M-A-N. Schumann. That is a tradition. That's an international (laughs) Christmas something. You insolent microbe! This is Native American origin, meaning rattlesnake handler. Mm. (laughs) Matak. Matak. M-A-T-T-A-K. That is a snake. Never! You will perish here! This is a Greenland tradition of tucking into matak, which is raw whale skin with a little blubber. It's a Christmas treat. Fans will be glad to know that when it really counts, that the, the snakes that I really need to know about <laughs> are the ones in the ongoing G.I. Joe storyline and product line. Next. Mary Lewid. Mary Lewid. That is a Christmas tradition. It is. This is a Welsh Christmas tradition uh, of the Grey Mare. It's the name given to a ghoulish-looking skeletal horse figure that is often brought door-to-door between Christmas and New Year's Eve in Wales. Okay. In Okay, so as a British uh, Joe fan, in all the issues of Action Force, is there... There's probably some December issues where, is it Combat Colin? Is that the sort of cartoon? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that's the cartoon mascot who hosts the table of contents or the letters page of the mm-hmm. British Action Force uh, comics. Presumably in some December issues, he's drawn wearing Santa clothing. Yeah, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. Okay. I, I have all the issues and I, I, I haven't checked ahead of time, but I, I thought I would throw a link out there for... <laughs> to distract us from how badly you're doing on these oh, snakes. Oh, are, are there more? <laughs> let's see, let's see. Uh, okay. Ormir. O-R-M-R. That is a snake. It is a snake. Old Norse origin, meaning snake, serpent, or dragon. Let's let's do, uh, let's do a last one. La Ribot. That is a Christmas tradition word thing. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, you've got 100% right. That's great. It is a French Caribbean island of Martinique tradition. Families visit their neighbours during Advent and on New Year's Day, bearing holiday food like yams, creole, pâté, pork stew. So that was a a, a special festive edition of Serpent or... (laughs) I am your emperor and master! Hmm. <laughs> In summary, hmm. Oh, should should I have said should I have said humbug? <laughs> or perhaps I should have said lump of coal in my stocking. Mm-hmm. Uh well I'm 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 pleased if our listeners are amused by these quizzes and uh if if there were if there was a the real prize, right? The real prize is knowing that our listeners have been entertained for another few minutes. So if if I don't have a ton of uh G.I. Joe Christmas gets uh, I do now have a give. Uh, my nephew is in fifth grade. And while I have been giving him the Titan Transformers uh, reprints, which are each six issues, 
Uh, I've also started giving him an issue of G.I. Joe with each birthday or Christmas. And with this Christmas, uh, I think that's Titan volume or six or seven. I think that's how far up we are. And this will be uh, G.I. Joe or Tales of, I think we're on Tales of Four. I hope he doesn't, <laughs> I hope eight years from now, when we get up to issue 16 <laughs> and I switch from the uh, from the, the brighter paper and printing of Tales of G.I. Joe to the dull newsprint of issue 16. I hope he's I hope he's into it. And what's his reaction when uh, when he gets given these these gifts to him? He um, he doesn't I mean, he likes Transformers. He, he grew up with Transformers, you know, toys and various cartoons. Um, so he's excited when he gets a Transformer or a Transformers book. Uh, he also likes reading, and I think he knows he's not likely to get comics and graphic novels from his parents, not because they have any problem with them, but because I'm my wife and I are the like comics people. So I think he sort of understands that it's maybe not a little special, but a little different. And I know when I gave him... Uh, issue one of Tales of G.I. Joe, he he recognized that it was old. But I don't mean old like old-fashioned. I mean old like an older object. And his dad said something like, oh, that's special. Like not valuable, sort of, you know, Tales of number one is worth $15 on eBay or whatever it is. But like and not an antique, but, you know, this isn't a brand new pair of sneakers or a brand new action figure. This is an older object. Um, and uh, I think he likes G.I. Joe. But I think G.I. Joe is also, you know, it's not deep on his radar because, you know, he's into sports and regular books and, you know, all sorts of graphic novels. And I'm hoping he's not growing out of tra- Transformers because fifth, sixth grade seems like a time when one might. Is, is that around about, is that 10-ish? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. So continuing our contributions from ex-hosts uh, of the show, here's one from Steve Sjub7, Jabba, host of G.I. Joburg, who has put together this little Christmassy number. Was guard duty, babe, in the G.I. Joe HQ, and Heather said to me, I got goosebumps all over me, and then I shot a gun over my shoulder, my skill defies belief. But Duke still gives me grief And now Heather's gone She was a feisty one But I am just a fool For this chick in the motor pool So happy Christmas, James You are a little miss I know we can make it through When all our dreams come true
You've got balls, big as malls, but my shoulders are cold. I'd never fall for you without a blindfold. When you first took my hand on a cold Christmas Eve, you promised me snake eyes would be training me. You were handsome, you were pretty, queen of the ninja committee. When the band finished playing, they howled out for more. The sword was a swing, and all the bats he was killing. We kissed on a corner, then danced through the night. The boys of the average Joe band were singing G.I. Joe. And the bells were ringing out for Christmas Day. You're a bum, you're a flunk You got the O like a skunk After a workout with that fella beachhead You scumbag, you maggot You got a nasty spark habit Have a Christmas, your ass I pray it's our last The boys of the cold slither choir Still singing, so they say And the bells are ringing out, out for, for Christmas Day, Day. I could have been someone And so could anyone You took my dreams from me When I first found you I kept them with me, babe Put them with all my own I can't make it all alone I've built my dreams around you the boys of the cold slither choir still singing, so they say, and the bells are ringing out for Christmas Day. <laughs> Thank you to our co-hosts for playing along. <laughs> So with that final contribution, uh, I think we are at the end. I hope, Tim, that uh, your heart is feeling a few sizes larger than the <laughs> beginning of the episode uh, and you enjoyed all of that Christmas cheer. Uh, insert insert some pun where I can rhyme ho, ho, ho with G.I. Joe or a real American, <laughs> a real American ho, ho, ho something. Uh, but this, <laughs> this is a nice change of pace and i look forward to in future episodes talking about comics we have just read or reread and interviewing interesting people excellent where can people find you tim when you are not sat upon the top of a christmas tree uh video essays on tv and film at atomicabe.com our youtube channel is atomic abe productions my brick and mortar comic book store in somerville massachusetts is hub comics and i write about gi joe at my blog a real american book.com and i will just give a little tease here to keep watching the skies for another short special episode which will be released christmas day so for long-term fans of the show dating back to the beginning of it you'll be in for a little treat i will say no more watch out for it and you can find out more about Talking Joe at the usual places. Talkingjoe.co.uk is the website that has links to those places. A Facebook group, Twitter, Instagram. We've even got a voicemail uh, that you can leave messages on, like some of the contributions that you will have heard in this 
uh, episode. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash Talking Joe. So a big thanks to all of our backers, Richard, Sam, Jay, Bill, Christopher, Justin, Rob and Brian, who are all getting early access to episodes as well as some exclusive content. So, for example, um, you know, recorded this um, last Christmas and they got it a year early. So <laughs> I think that is us done. But remember that nobody be talking Joe, an international podcast at Christmas. Laters. Hey, hold on a second. That's not all. We have got a bonus bit of extra content as an end of show Easter egg. Coming up next is A Night Before Conquest. It's another Night Before Christmas G.I. Joe parody. This comes from friend of the show, Chad LaForce, a.k.a. Malcolm Zydek, a.k.a. Undead Op Figs on Twitter. Check it out. Twas the night before conquest when all through the house. Not a soldier was yelling their Cobra La shouts. The rattlers were prepped in the hangar with care in hopes that their missiles would soon fill the air. And the dreadnoughts were slumbering, drunken in bed, with cheap liquor bottles strewn all about their heads. As Baroness and Destro laid plans for a trap, I was sharpening the fangs on my serpentine hat. When from Mindbender's lab there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my throne to slap Cobra Commander. But Tomax and Zaymont were on screen in a flash. We twins have a present, said the one with the gash. You set out at dawn to attack G.I. Joe. They should aid your assault through the ice and the snow. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a Crimson Guard army in Arctic battle gear? Their bayoneted weapons were pointy and slick. Storm Shadow insisted we first kill Quick Kick. I could see they were strong. They were born to cause pain. Then the Lord of the Freds made them sound off by name. Fred 2, Fred 6... Fred 1 and Fred 7, Fred 3, Fred 8, Fred 211. Get ready for war. G.I. Joe must fall. Now stab away, stab away, stab away all. I commanded, my chariot make ready to fly. Then I hopped on a board and I sounded the cry. I spewed forth decrees as I overhead flew, and they marveled at this, at their emperor too. I screamed, this I command. Stand at arms, keep your couth, not like Cobra Commander. That doof is a goof. But as my air serpent was flying around, the invisible Zartan crept in with no sound. He was dressed in disguise from his head to his foot, like a hiss tank repairman all covered in soot. He stole all the plans in a pack on his back, and he chuckled maniacally, quietly. I guess there goes that. But a night viper scope saw the plans he did carry. When the troopers unmasked him, he sang like a canary. As they clapped him in irons, his chest plate did glow. I was keeping them safe. I'd never sell them to Joe. This backwater slob I then slapped in the teeth. Remain here and rot, you incompetent thief. I left him in chains in the dungeon, so smelly. Then Firefly hailed me on the big jumbo telly. He had set the explosives in the Arctic ice shelf, and I laughed when I heard it, in spite of myself. With remote held aloft, my best saboteur said, No, for certain the Joes have reason for dread. So I rose from my throne and went straight to the work. I would crush every enemy wherever they lurk. The soldiers formed ranks, marching off toward the snows like the tip of the spear my air chariot rose. The hiss tanks did rumble and the rattlers did whistle as they took to the air heavy laden with missile. And I heard them proclaim as they marched out of sight,
Happy conquest to all who uphold Cobra's might. <laughs>